0: Hi and welcome to our next episode of the Apprenticeship Podcast by Professional Apprenticeships. My name's Adam, I'm one of the directors here at Professional Apprenticeships and we're really excited to bring you another episode of our action-packed podcast on everything apprenticeships and everything to keep yourself safe whilst you're doing apprenticeships. We're even going to be talking a little bit about how to get one. So at Professional Apprenticeships, we practice what we preach and we've taken on a new apprentice ourselves. so our digital marketing apprentice Lexi and Lexi's going to be helping us out with the podcasts from now on. So hi Lexi. Hello. Do you want to tell everyone who you are, what your role is with Professional Apprenticeships?
1: Yeah, great. So um, my name's Lexi. I'm the Digital Recruitment Assistant at Professional Apprenticeships, which sort of means that I do everything sort of digital marketing within the recruitment section. So I work within recruitment and marketing.
0: Tell us a bit about some of the stuff you've been doing since you started with us.
1: Yeah, so I started in June. I've been doing loads of social media work, lots of email marketing, and I've learnt a lot through that. But what I really enjoy Is doing a lot of video work as well.
0: And now, podcasts. Let's see how this one goes.
1: Yeah, excited. (laughs) (laughs) Today,
0: we are going to be talking about, from a safeguarding point of view, about knife crime. So, we are going to be delving into uh, a rather potentially sad and upsetting topic. And the reason for this is that in Bristol, there's been a a couple of knife crime incidents recently that have really caught the attention of the city. So, we've got Junior Saunders who's coming in who also promotes apprenticeships he's going to be talking to us a bit about his role but he's going to be talking a little bit more in depth about the knife crime issues that we're facing not only in Bristol but further afield and then we're going to be talking to three of our apprentices Lexi aren't we so who are we going to be talking to today
1: so we're going to be talking to Jada who is a digital marketing apprentice as well as Ella, who is also a digital marketing apprentice. And then we've got Lorenzo, who's a business admin apprentice.
0: Yeah, certainly. So they're all at different stages of their apprenticeship, which is a really exciting thing to talk to them about how they got their apprenticeship, what they're doing for it, and really what they've got out of it. So I think for our listeners who maybe are looking for apprenticeships at the moment and don't know how to go about it, there's going to be some really insightful information in there, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Very quickly, how did you get your apprenticeship? How did you find the vacancy?
1: So after I did my A-levels, I did apply for university but then I realised that it really wasn't for me I found that I actually learn quite practically so I decided to go the apprenticeship route but I really wanted to get into something creative like marketing then very few and far
0: between. It really is, isn't it? I mean, especially the last couple of years since COVID, there's been less apprenticeships out there being advertised. So I mean, a lot of people are being signposted to apprenticeships. It's finding the right one. And it's being able to apply as well, because since COVID, people have struggled to have the careers advice that they need. You had support, didn't you? But not from necessarily school and college.
1: No, um, where I went to school, they did just really push to go to university. So I didn't really understand that from school that like an apprenticeship was an option
0: so what we're going to do now I'm going to hand over to you to have a chat to Junior so thank you so much
1: So, Junior, if you can introduce yourself and tell us about yourself.
2: My name is Julia Saunders. I am co founder of Inspired IAG. One of the first sections of our business is Destination Apprenticeships. Different journey, same destination. That is my tagline for the business, something I've been using for the past couple of years. And my role is to inspire and engage all levels of students from all across the country around inspiring information, advice and guidance into the world of apprenticeships.
1: Obviously, we're here with professional apprenticeships Mm -hmm. and we're all about giving young people opportunities. So what do you think the apprenticeship market is like at the minute?
2: I think that it is progressing, but I think that since Covid, there isn't enough useful, empowering information for students. I could be wrong, but I'm out there daily speaking to students and I think that students don't want information anymore. They want relatable information that A, exceeds outside the classroom. B is relatable outside the classroom and C you can internalize that and then apply it into a stream of which employers will actually see the value that you already have. Mm. So in terms of the infrastructure of the education system, I think it's very mundane. I think it's very outdated. Um, I think it definitely does have its positives in terms of routine and structure but we need to start delivering information in a completely different way. And that's what I do. I storytell, I empower, I talk about my own personal experiences. So yes, we have the trajectory of being professional and we've got to always have that, no pun intended, obviously professional apprenticeships is there, but it's more so about being relatable. People no longer want teachers that just give you information or you know empowering presenters that just give you information they want to hear that i've been brought up in care they want to hear that i lost my mum when i was 16 and how i overcame that within the apprenticeship story because actually when you sit in an interview and somebody turns around to you and says okay what are your best possible qualities you're able to say do you know what i lost my mum at 16 but i learned x y and z Probably the six to eight candidates that come in and speak about their life are not going to talk about something as deep as that. And I'm not saying that everyone has to go to that elevation of deepness. But what I'm trying to explain is that when we allow power to be in vulnerability through interviews and actually... I've got a saying, you don't need to be loud to be confident. Just because I'm loud, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm confident. I'm dyslexic. You put me behind a computer screen to write an email. You see me absolutely fold then, but you put me in front of 30,000 people, I amplify. So it's about looking at learner skill sets. And I think that we need to completely change the way that we deliver the information. And that's exactly what I'm doing with Destination Apprenticeships. It's about how I can deliver information that means something to you, means something to you, that you walk away and not only understand logistically what an apprenticeship is, but how you can tie into your own life skills around that discipline to then move forward with it.
1: I get that completely because I'm the complete opposite of that. I would much rather be behind the computer screen and be in the background. To do no, things. not me. I just don't be <laughs> at the front. But um, I do definitely think like schools, for sure, there's not enough information on apprenticeships because they just push you and push you to go to university. You need to get A-levels. You need to go to university. I never had the option of doing an apprenticeship. because If I did, I would have done it, you know, three years ago when I left school. I think it's about the awareness that actually you can get to the same place without going to university.
2: Repeat after me, an apprenticeship an apprenticeship is a different journey
1: is a different journey
2: to the same destination the same that's exactly destination. what you was trying to say right yes. it is it's a different it is. journey to the same destination i.e getting that recognized qualification so one of my key messages when i deliver and i do presentations is how would you prefer to learn post 16 after gcses or post 18 after a levels if i show you what to do do you find that easier and the learners will turn around and go yeah, yeah i do and i say 80 percent of the time that is what an apprenticeship is I'm showing you what to do. And then in turn, you're copying what I do. And then somebody comes along and goes, oh, you can do it. Tick. Yeah. And that's how it's governed. And I think that when you break that down, because remember, we've been condensed into an environment since the age of five, four walls. This is not how I learn. being out there and speaking to people and communicating but if somebody can actually have that as evidence and say actually this goes towards a qualification that sounds different from an awarding body but has the same weight as somebody who goes to university but actually because of the one six years experience that you can get on the apprenticeship you can actually succeed somebody at some points that goes to university because you have the interpersonal skills then why not
1: exactly i completely agree um so do you want to tell us about your experience growing up in bristol
2: I grew up predominantly in Bristol, but I did move around because actually I was um, in care. So I went to spend some time in a children's home in Gloucester, children's home um, up in Kingswood. But predominantly, I was in Eastern the majority of the time. And there were postcode wars between, I'd say, 1998 and probably 2000. I couldn't go to St. Paul's and people from St. Paul's felt as though they couldn't come to us. Really, there was no premise to it. It wasn't like, oh, you're from that area and you did this. It was just along the lines of, well... You just can't really go there. It was a very, very toxic environment. The irony is, even though it was very intense at the time, 20 years later or so You see the same people And we're all Absolutely fine We're all cool We're all related Which is I think is quite ironic As well Because actually If you come from A West Indian background Nine times out of ten You've probably got A crossover with Somebody else's family Especially if you live So close in the area As well You know I see people From Set and Eastern And it's not that biggie But what's happening now Is you have this Perpetual energy Of the 80s And the 70s Wherever this began And it's now Transcended into The 21st century Which is really really sad And it's rife It's really affected young people and it goes back to you know what my core message is is through apprenticeships you know the value that you have I think that a lot of people because their learning styles are not understood because at home they're not being embraced with love I remember being brought up in care sometimes feeling like I actually wasn't loved and what that did is that triggered rage in me and if that triggered rage in me then actually I could go out and actually do certain things and I think that a lot of young people want to fit in but they don't have the value of life yet they don't understand the value of life So they feel as though if they take a life, and I could be out of terms here, but this is just my personal reflection. If they take a life, it doesn't have consequences. They don't recognize that actually 20 years later, you're going to look back in hindsight and see how pathetic this all was. But because in that moment you want that validation and you want to feel accepted, you'll do something that has huge monumental consequences. It's about understanding that it doesn't go away. Once you hold that blade and once you kill somebody, that is a lifelong commitment to regret. To, you know, guilt to changing the dynamics of their lives. And I think that the work needs to be done internally. There's a lot of projection about knife crime and about what we need to do and people meeting up with each other. We need to do the internal work with our young people, and that means the value that they have, looking at their learning styles, looking at the fact that they can advocate without consequences for them speaking freely about who they are. We need to look at the family unit. If they're not together, okay, how can we encourage more participation from their father? Even if their father is depleted and down and out, they might have love, but they may just need an opportunity to flourish with their child. These are really important things. And these are, through my experience, and I've got a plethora of different experiences in my life growing up in care, that I think it needs to be seen. You know, it's something that when you see EK's mom on the news crying our, our eyes out and saying, look, I forgive you for killing my son. We're not even talking a month in. It will be the anniversary next week, the 21st of July. Like a month in, and you are on TV with the police saying, listen, as a parrot, come and speak to me. If you killed my son, And that's the grace of some higher power. Your son has just died, yet you're there and you're able to forgive. That's power. But EK's mom shouldn't be in that position. Do you see what I mean? So it's about now, how do we change the value of our young people? I keep saying this because I think that's where it starts. Because once we change the value, that's when they're able to then turn around and say, do you know what? I'm not into this life. I'm going to step away because i got value and I've got places that I want to go. And once I do that, then I'm able to have the courage and the independence to step away from that life. So it's absolutely all internal in my eyes. So that's what I would say, yeah.
1: That was a really deep conversation. Can you give us your top three tips for someone to find an apprenticeship?
2: All right. Top three tips for somebody to find an apprenticeship. Number one, understand the value that they already have. The mindset of that learner needs to be, I'm going to demonstrate my best skills to an employer whether it's through paper or actually in person and verbalize that. Number two, perseverance. An apprenticeship is probably harder than going to university. So therefore, you need to build that natural resilience. No doesn't mean no. It just means what can I learn from this experience so that when I meet the next person, actually I could demonstrate a very fresh skill set. And number three, it's all about your learning style. How do you want to learn post-GCSEs? How do you want to learn post-A levels? And actually, if you want to be shown what to do, it's okay to be shown what to do towards that qualification and being a visual learner. So, those would be my three top tips for anyone searching for an That's approach. That's
1: brilliant. Thank you so much, Junior, for coming in. We'd love to have you back again to talk on the podcast.
2: Absolutely. It's by my fist as well.
1: Hooray, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Junior. That was really insightful and interesting. And I'm going to hand you over now to Adam, who's going to talk to our three apprentices.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. That's amazing, Lexi. So what a thought-provoking show we've had so far today. And Junior, wasn't Junior amazing? He just, you know, just really brings that subject to life and has so much personal experience, you know, with sort of the knife crime and gangs and how people can just get dragged into those sorts of subjects. I wanted to really focus and have a chat to you all about your apprenticeship journey. So you've been apprentices with us for a variety of different times, some of you longer than others, and um, just wanted to find out a bit about yourselves and how you got your apprenticeships and maybe for our listeners some people haven't got apprenticeships yet so they might not understand the process so it's really good for them to understand things that might be myths of apprenticeships and actual facts so let's start with you lorenzo so tell us a little bit about how because you're relatively new aren't you how did you get your apprenticeship uh it was a long journey to be fair but my main
3: thought at the beginning was i wanted to be a plumber because i was thinking i'm more of a hands-on type of person uh i don't want to sit in an office all this all that and then i did some work experience And I realized it's really not for me. I was thinking, I don't want to be doing this every day for the rest of my life. I think it's great for people to actually get out there and try what they want to do before they just jump into it. So I think if you're looking for an apprenticeship or you're thinking of some kind of apprenticeship, definitely try and do some work experience first. That is key. Because if you get that apprenticeship and you end up hating it, it's a long process to get rid of it. Go to another, find another. So um, I did my work experience. I realised I didn't like it. I was thinking, I don't know what to do now. So I was looking at my subjects in school. I was thinking I might follow on from one of them. And I realised my favourite lesson was business studies. And because of that, I was thinking maybe a business-related apprenticeship. That might not be too bad. I I think I might quite enjoy that. And then I started thinking about it more and more. And I think I might have been parents even in one night or something. I think it was a careers fair. But Adam had a stall at my school and um i spoke to him with my parents we got along here off and he gave me his contact and eventually uh we was in contact talking and managed to sort out some work experience and that work experience was really great because i got a lot of experience with the admin role which is what i was thinking of at this moment and the role i ended up getting but i got a lot of experience with the admin role I got a lot of face-to-face interpersonal person, interpersonal communication experience with all the networking that me and Adam did. And it was overall just a really great
0: week as well. Such a good answer. So the first question that I that, that yeah. saves me a big job, actually. Yeah. So I don't have to ask you too many more questions then. <laughs> but yeah, so tell me about that networking. So that must must have been scary for you to kind of, you know, um, I think we met in mock interviews as well, didn't we? I think I've yeah. seen people that mock interviewed you. So but we definitely saw something in, in terms of your, you know, your your career charisma your character. But yeah, for us to uh, suddenly tell you, you're going to come and talk to 30 businesses. Yeah. How did that happen?
3: <laughs> well, although it may seem scary, my main thought was, I don't know them. And it's such a great opportunity that all I can do is do my best. And if I do my best and fail, then I can't be mad at myself. So I was just thinking, I'll do my best. I'm Luckily, I'm I'm usually quite good with talking to
0: people and talking maybe in front of people on a stage or something. So I wasn't too nervous. You smashed it, I can tell you that. There's, um, We've had lots of people feedback about you and the other people that were at that networking. Yeah. For the listeners, we do business networking where we invite apprentice applicants along. It's a great opportunity for people to develop networking skills, but it's also an opportunity for people to meet potential businesses. And I think yeah. there was two or three people in the room that day that got apprenticeships off the back of it. So, you didn't meet your employer, did you? But you, um, no, a lot of the skills you had allowed you to get your apprenticeship in the end.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think, it, I think it definitely helped because, um, I hadn't had too much experience with talking to people, actually striking a
0: conversation that I'd never spoken to before. And obviously, that's helped me a lot in my interview. So, what would your number one tip be to somebody who was uh, looking for an apprenticeship at the moment this summer? What would you advise them to do? I would
3: say if you've done work experience and you want to go through with it, then just be confident.
0: That's brilliant. And I think preparation, so planning and preparation allows you to be confident. Yeah, it? yeah, definitely. That's really good. So Jada, so tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself and what apprenticeship are you studying?
4: I am a digital marketing apprentice at Flex Digital and um, I went to university first actually before I joined this apprenticeship. So it's kind of unconventional,
0: but... (laughs) And it's really interesting to talk to Lorenzo, who's a school leaver, and then yourself, because pre-2017, apprenticeships weren't as inclusive. So you couldn't take a step back in terms of being at uni and then doing an apprenticeship afterwards. So apprenticeships can be used as like the modern internship. So I think people are going to uni and studying, but not having enough skills to actually access the, the workplace. So that's where for for grads, the apprenticeship programme fits in quite nicely. What was your sort of thought process in terms of when you decided that or found out about the apprenticeship programme?
4: I thought that this would be an amazing experience for me to gain practical experience and just enhance the learning that I'd done at university. And I thought it's a great way to transition into the working world from education without having to feel too much pressure about getting things wrong. Like, I thought it was going to be a great way to just take my time to learn and just learn as much as I can and speak to professionals in the marketing industry and just take in everything as much as I can, like a sponge, and learn about different areas in marketing before I really narrow down into something. That was the whole process.
0: hundred <laughs> percent. And I think a lot of people could take a lot of uh, useful information from that, really. So there's lots of people who are really struggling to convert previous qualifications, or they might have gone to uni and then they end up working in sort of the job that they did whilst they were at uni. And they struggle to then translate that degree into the into the industry. And you, you're a perfect example of somebody doing that so just talk me through some of the exciting things you do on a day-to-day basis
4: so at flex we mainly do a lot of seo content marketing social media marketing and ppc which is paid ads so on a day-to-day basis at this moment i'm mainly focusing on content marketing and seo stuff which is search engine optimization thank you and yeah so um, I spend a lot of time writing blogs and drafting social media posts for clients. So I think that's what was so great about Flex was because they allowed me to just jump straight into doing some work and working for clients.
0: And having a really experienced team around you, because I know the guys at Flex and they, they know what they're talking about, yeah, don't do. they? So, And having that experience there and also having then the experience with your tutors. I mean, how has that been, the learning side of it from professional apprenticeships?
4: So, yeah, my tutor is so supportive. We have one-to-one sessions and we have monthly training sessions as well. And I find them very useful. Every time I've done a training session, I find that going back to do client work, I find I have a lot more knowledge than I had before or navigating it a different way. Yes, I'd say they're very useful training sessions and my tutor and he's very supportive. I can call him and message him just a simple question. And he's very responsive.
0: So who's your tutor? You can give him a shout out if you want.
4: My tutor is Yatin.
0: Big (laughs) shout out to Yatin. So well done. So having been union now doing your apprenticeship what has been the value of the apprenticeship that you didn't get from university
4: I would say I've had the opportunity to do a lot more practical work whereas at university I focused mainly on theoretical stuff I felt that I was lacking in experience and I felt when I graduated that employers are looking for more practical experience so that's why I joined an apprenticeship so that I can gain a whole round experience and I can be more confident when I go to employers and say I have a degree but I also have experience.
0: You've hit the nail on the head really it's a catch-22 so you at school and college you're told to just go out there and and learn but that's not enough you need this experience to go along with it and I think that's the thing that the uh, the apprenticeship really really helps. Ella, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role.
5: Um, So my name's Ella. Um, I work for a private dentistry in Wiltshire called Aurora Dental and Implant Clinic. Um, I started my apprenticeship with professional apprenticeships in June um, and I started with Aurora in March.
0: So you've been an apprentice since June. So that's not a huge amount of time, but can you look back at where you started and really see a difference in the knowledge that you've got in digital marketing and and sort of social media?
5: Yeah, so um obviously I left sixth form last year. And I kind of went out and I had the mindset of going to uni because you know it's kind of forced upon you. So I came out and I luckily got a job um working in the fashion industry which kind of I fell into marketing because I had that creative side to me anyway because I did photography and graphic art A-level, so I had that in me already. And then when I was with the company, I just kind of got to a bit of a halt. I thought, I need something. I said, like, I'm very hands-on, like, I need to work. Um, it's been Jordan into me from a very young age, very independent. So I was kind of, you know, having a look on Indeed and something, uh, and then a job popped up um, with professional apprenticeships, and I had an interview with yourself, uh, which went so well. I was, like, bouncing off the walls after. And then we found, obviously, my job role with Aurora, and just seeing the growth that I've had from when I started to now is crazy. And my tutor is also Yazin and he we had our um our one to one yesterday. He said, You've come on leaps and bounds in such a short amount of time. Um and I'm already starting things like SEO yeah. that you're not really supposed to start until a bit later on, but my employer feels that, you know, I'm ready to take it on. Yeah. Um, so she's given me that responsibility of doing SEO, blog writing. and
0: That's a really important thing. So I think, uh, so let's just clarify. So you're with Yatin, right? So we've got two tutors. So we've got Yatin and Yasin. Now, that's not intentional. We don't we don't just recruit digital marketing <laughs> tutors who have got a wise starting name that rhymes. Um, they they can prioritise workload, can't they, uh, Ella? So like in terms of the, you know, pay-per-click advertising and things like that, So um, if that's something you're doing in your role, they will shift the curriculum to actually match what you need.
5: Yeah, and that's what we spoke about yesterday um, on our call um, with my line manager as well. We kind of, you know, said, let's look at my plan. And if if I've started this at work, if we can bring it forward within my professional apprenticeships work, then we might as well, because what's the point of me doing it and then trying to learn it next year? It just doesn't seem applicable. So it's great how flexible you guys were with it and allowed me to kind of, you know, integrate the two. What
0: tip would you have for somebody who was considering an apprenticeship? Ella
5: um i just say go for it you know have a look around obviously i would highly recommend professional apprenticeships but you know even if sitting behind the desk isn't for you and you don't want to do manual labor still have a look you know at apprenticeships because from somebody that was at sick form left thought i was going to go to uni realized university is not for me like the amount of that or anything the factors just just well for me so an apprenticeship is the way forward and I think it's the way forward for future generations
0: so thank you so much for coming in for our podcast today you know I'm so proud of all of our apprentices and uh really pleased to see you all doing well thanks very much
5: thank you thank you <laughs>
1: So obviously yesterday, Lorenzo, you attended the Holly Gazard event. For those of you that don't know, Holly Gazard was someone that got stabbed to death by her boyfriend. Well, not really boyfriend at the time. But yesterday, um, Nick Gazard, her dad, came in to talk to us about the importance of keeping safe and domestic abuse and things like that. So Lorenzo, you attended. What did you sort of take from that whole conversation? You know, what really stood out to you about that?
3: Although it may, it may seem a bit dark, it's just... It worries me thinking about all of that because I have known people that have been face-to-face with that exact situation and all it really takes is just one bad mood for someone and they could end up like Holly. But I think another takeaway is just the app is such a lifesaver and the fact that it has saved so many people's lives already and Although it has come from someone's death, her death has saved hundreds of lives.
1: Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, um, the Holly Gazar Trust is a charity who have created the app called Holly Guard and it is an app which in essence tries to keep people safe. So an example would be if your phone gets thrown across the room and it detects that you might be in danger, you could go on the app and press a button So, say I'm in danger, it records and it films audio which then sends to some of your emergency contacts yeah. they can then view that audio and assess whether you actually do need help and they can call the police it's got some really great things in there such as um you can create reports so a lot of the time people don't report every time they get stalked let's say it there's a section of the app where you can report it and it gets put in a cloud and it's it's not anonymous but no one can see it and then um, when you do file a formal police report they send all of that over to the police and that backs up your evidence because a lot of the time you can't get someone convicted if you haven't got the evidence and it's hard to remember so you just report it and things like that so it's really great for keeping a lot of people safe not just women but men also because yeah I think this is the statistics of men being abused as well is just as high but people just don't report it so it's re- it was really important to sort of take
3: that you can disguise the app as well, can't you? Yeah. I think, I think that was quite an interesting you.
1: Yeah, so if you are in a really toxic relationship, they can disguise it so it looks like a calculator. And so
3: there's you, the weather as well. Yeah,
1: and the weather, and you can go on and you can check the weather, and it works. And it works as a calculator, but you've got... It's, I think it's a code, and you hold down zero, let's say, and um, it brings you to the Holyguard app. You can report it from there. It's not even just to keep you safe, but it's like if you were getting an Uber on your own, you can record mm. your journey time, and if you haven't made it in that time... You know, it just sends an alert out. So, yeah, that is a bit of background about it. Our podcast covers lots of different topics um, and some of them are about safeguarding and we understand that that can be sometimes quite sad, but it is important to be aware. But on the topic of safeguarding, we do want to make it really interesting and fun. That's why we do the podcast. So tune in our next podcast and keep up to date with our social media and our newsletters and I'll see you next time.